Well, I'm not wearing my Lululush today. I see, uh, I don't even, I'm not even sure what it is. Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I know that we got some people in the, in the church who are doing this Lululush, and I, I, I just kind of like the name. It's, it rolls off the tongue. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that the, 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 the ones that are doing this, this Lululush, that it works out good for you. But uh, uh, I know that uh, I see a lot of the women running around in it and it looks, hey, whatever. Lulu on. <laughs> Bill, do you have any idea what Lulu Rouge is? I don't know either. I just uh, I, I know that uh, your daughter said that uh, it's a really neat thing, so I trust Brooke. Uh, I, I don't get it, but uh, you know, I'm old and out of touch. That's for sure. Oh. Can Brent wear one? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even sure what it is. Uh, I don't think that'd be a good idea. <laughs> something, yeah. I seen George in that fancy shirt earlier in the week. Uh, are we done with the offering? All right. Got, got seatbelts out there? You got the best facet of them today. I kind of, last couple weeks, I kind of been easy. and, and uh, uh, But today, uh, the Lord's led me to, uh, it's called Fully Charged. And we're back on Go and Be. And, uh, uh, go and be is to go and be the uh, to go out and to to be the foots and the the voice and the hands of Christ and and uh, so we'll be on this for this is the fifth uh, one on this we'll continue on it for quite a while probably and we're looking at the life of Moses we're going to touch Moses uh, in a couple verses but we're going to head over to New Testament after that but um, uh, fully charged it's uh, it's Everybody knows what batteries do. Your phone batteries, they run down, and when they get down to about 10%, everybody's got, they're just searching. One of the little guys were in here this morning in my desk asking if I had a plug-in for his, some kind of game or something. I mean, boy, when it's something's not charged up, and Vicky says, you always got your phone on the charger, whether it's charged 100% or not, you're always hogging the charger. <laughs> well, we like to be fully charged, you know, and, and that's where we should be with God is to be fully charged. Uh, and, and, and as we look at Moses' life, we're going to be in chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, I think, this morning. And uh, there, these two verses, uh, no matter what you look into, these two verses are very strange verses put right there in chapter 4. In fact, there's like three verses right there, 24, 25, 26. They're a little bit odd, they're a little bit strange. And so when I, when I was praying over this and following this down and, and thinking about this, uh, well, God gave me this fully charged thing, and I'm thinking about these two verses, and it's like, man, you get to these verses, God has been with Moses at the burning bush, and he's, he's told Moses what he's got to do. He showed Moses the signs and the miracles about leprosy and, 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 and about the, the, the rod, the rod of God uh, turning into a snake and back out of a snake, and he told him about the, how the river's going to turn to blood and about the, the deaths, and he's just, he's just been giving Moses all kinds of information, and Moses is ready to go. He's 80 years old. He's ready to head back to Egypt. And so he's, the, he's got his wife and his, uh, at least one son with him, and, and they're heading back to Egypt. And all of a sudden, God shows up, and it's not good. And so I look at this verse, and, and I'm, only, I'm just teaching with a little bit, and I look at this verse, and I think, man, what is going on here? And I start looking to, into some BSF notes and some other things like that, and like nobody can really, really fully grasp what's going on here. Because, I mean, if I was looking at Moses, I'd say after you've had these encounters with God, you were fully charged, and you were ready to go. But yet, there was something wrong. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you this morning, Father, we are excited to give your word out. We are excited, Father, for all the ones with ears to hear, Father. And, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to open up our hearts to take in the word of God. It's by your power, through the Holy Spirit, we speak. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Evil doesn't ever seem to be less than fully charged. Am I right or wrong? Man, it's just, it is charged up. I mean, Satan keeps everybody plugged in. It is charged up. I don't care where you're at. It, no matter what kind of evil it is, it seems to always be on fire. But then the people of God, we kind of sit back, and I always hear this thing, don't wake up a sleeping giant. Well, wake us up! 
I'm, I'm ready for the church to get woke up like something's really going to happen if you wake up the sleeping giant. Well, you know what? I, I think it would be great if the sleeping giant would wake up. Amen? Because evil doesn't sleep. It doesn't take a time out. It doesn't go off on some vacation. It doesn't show up just one Sunday a year. I mean, it's every day, every second, it is pounding upon the people of God because it's out to destroy the people of God. Amen? It is out to destroy the family. It's out to destroy the nation. And when it takes the nation, it'll go to the next nation until it destroys the whole world. But it starts with your family and with you. So evil doesn't ever seem to be less than fully charged. And it is forever at work trying to drain the power of the righteous. Am I right or wrong? Isn't it always just trying to drain you, trying to always deceive you, always trying to trick you? And you think, man, if I just was, oh, if I was just smarter. Well, I got a, I got a game thing for you. Well, quit dealing with evil. <laughs> you don't have to be smarter than evil. Just quit dealing with it. You just pray, walk away, you let God deal with those things. There's, God's got people in place that he can deal with certain things. They can debate and good things. You just need to pray over these things. Don't think you're, you're a failure because some kind of evil seems to have overwhelmed you. Just pray and walk on. Amen? God's not always working where you think you're at. Sometimes we go places and, and God's nowhere even working there. But yet we think we need to go there. Don't go there. Stay away from where evil. And if God takes you there, then be prepared to go and God will be your voice. It's, it's, it drains the power of the righteous using the tool of what? Everybody say that word. Compromise. Now, from the Garden of Eden until, until today, that's what Satan does. He's always trying to get us to compromise. Now, the problem with Moses in these few verses is as we look into it, we're going to find out one thing. His wife was mad. She was, I mean, she was hot at Moses. And, and also, Moses was unequally yoked. Moses was a Hebrew, and he didn't marry a Hebrew because he had ran off. So he has to deal with those things. And anybody but a Hebrew wouldn't be used to circumcision. It was what we're going to talk about here in a minute. And so we have a wife that's really mad, but she's seen these things of God. She fears God. And Moses is going to deal with it. Now, here's what I understand. If, if Moses, if God is sending Moses to back to Egypt, to be the voice of God, to be the foot of God, to be the word of God, then everything about Moses, including his family, has to be right. Am I right or wrong? See, now, you, you, we want to we compromise a few things. We want to keep a few things that we maybe, maybe had forgotten that's even in our lives. But I can tell you, once you start to work for God, he'll bring those things up. Now, you've got to make that choice. Do, do I allow those things to control or do I allow those things to be surrendered to God? And get them out of my life. The righteous caught up in compromise are slow to charge. Because we, we compromise things and, and we don't allow God to completely have control of our life. I've got this sand up here and I'm just going to play with this for a minute. Now I've got all kinds of colored sand. There's a couple different colors. Red. Now we'll, take, we'll just take that's the compromise of finances. Is that okay? A little more... Oh, just tell me when. <laughs> okay. Now, the next one, I'll just, I'm just pulling these out of my mind here real quick. Too. The next one, I'll say, let's, let's say uh, the compromise of our kids. Whoa. The compromise of our children. Ooh, don't have enough. Because sometimes we spoil the child and don't use the rod. So we'll, we'll put that compromise in there. Is that enough? <laughs> I hear a kid speaking. <laughs> you want yeah, to be compromised? Well, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's kind of pretty, isn't it? Because compromise can look pretty, can't it? But the problem is, now white, of course, is righteousness. Now, I know they do this at weddings and stuff, but we're not we're doing it today. So we'll put the red in there too. Boy, that, oh man, red, white, and blue. Oh my goodness. Now that, that's pretty. Now the problem is you can't mix these things together, which I can't do that today. You can't mix these things. Once they're together, what? They're what? They're together. I, I'll never be able to, to get all that white sand out of there again, will I? 
It's mixed. It's there permanently. Now, we do have grace. Amen? We, we do have grace. We have one way to filter all this out to become back to completely white, and it's Jesus Christ. So I'm going to tell you, no matter how much you have compromised, no matter how much different colors of sand you have in your life that you have compromised, there is a way out of that compromise. Now Moses, he was doing exactly what he thought God wanted him to do, and he was. The problem was Moses knew from, out, from back in Genesis, I believe it started in Genesis 17, I believe, 15 or 17, it starts talking about circumcision. He knew that circumcision was part of the Hebrews. He knew that was part of their law. You had to do these things. But yet his sons, or sons were not. So I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go out and be, and I just, uh, my finances are a total wreck. My children are, are just completely a mess. And I'm going to go to some family and say, let me tell you how to take care of your kids. The Bible will tell you all about it. But your, your kids are like little I don't know, running around like crazy. Because you haven't done the job the Bible told you to do. And then you go to somebody else and you'll say, well, let me tell you, I can tell you how to, how to get out of debt. I can tell you the, the Dave Ramsey course, but don't pay attention to me because I guess I should have listened better to Mr. Ramsey. <laughs> but at least pay attention because I know what to do, I'm just not doing it. Pretty ridiculous, right? Well, that's called compromise. Now, you can, you can relate that to any aspect in your life. And you think that, that, that you can be a powerful tool for God and compromise. Well, Moses is going to go back and going to talk to millions of people. And then he's got to go in front of Pharaoh. Don't you think that everything about his life should be correct according to God? Somebody say something. Amen. It should be. Now, you can think you're fully charged. You can think you're going to do the right things for God. You can think all you want to think. But if you've got compromise in your life, in any aspect of your life, that is against what God's Word says, I'm telling you to keep your mouth quiet. Because you're not going to be saying what is truly in your heart. I can't preach unless it's in my heart. And if I've done something during the week that causes me to fail, you'll know it up here. You have to be right with God. Amen? Everybody say you got to be right with God. If I want to go and be, i got to be right with God. Let's get going in a few scriptures. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment, that means they stopped for a night, they camped out, that the Lord met and sought to what? Everybody say that, sought to what? Kill him. Now, I'll say what? God, God's pretty mad here, wouldn't you say? He is like, okay, Moses, you knew what to do. You, you knew what to do. And because you didn't do it, I'm going to kill you. Man, that, you say, well, that's a tough God. Yeah, it is, because he's a holy God. And he has sent Moses to do a particular job for God, a particular plan, a particular purpose. A particular process. And it has to be done God's way. See, the problem with the church, the problem with, with us Christians so much is that we're, we think we're so fully charged with what the Word of God says, yet we have so many compromises that we've allowed in our life. And the evil that it never takes a break, that never is uncharged, it sees right through you. And you wonder why the world is the way it is. We've allowed traditions and legalism to think, take its place of grace and think that if we do this and do this and do this and we say we believe in God, that everything is going to be fine and God will just go along with it. Well, I'm telling you right here, God will not go along with it. It's important to God. And if it's important to God that we get every bit of our compromise out of our life, then it's important to me. The Zebarora, that's his wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. She was mad. 
Now, you can, you, we don't have a whole lot more to go on except one more verse when she says he's a blood again, a, a husband of blood to her again. So you can understand that she was mad. She can understand where the Moses was getting sick at the time, where God was actually causing the physical sickness, where he couldn't do the surgery on his son or not, we don't know. But we want to know one thing, that his wife was hot and that she did what she did to save Moses' life. And we'll find out later on that she never went any further with Moses to Egypt. I believe they turned around and went back home. So what I'm getting this first part is, as we go through this message today, if God, you say, well, God, you know Moses was so important to you. I'm going to tell you, God loves every soul, doesn't he? Then I heard that God loves everyone. But Moses had, a, had a, a particular plan and all this to do, that's for sure. But I'm going to tell you something. That person that you go to talk to, God loves them just as much as those millions. If it's just one person, God loves them as much. Amen? He doesn't separate his love for how many people there are. He loves as many people as in his church as he does the big churches down the road. He loves us the same. And he calls us all to do the same type of work. The miscalculations, I want to get you to understand that miscalculations. This is what Moses has done. This is what a lot of us do. We miscalculate what we think we're supposed to be doing for God or, or, or something. Miscalculations have been the essence of too many Christians staying, straying from the course. You have made the decision to be fully charged by God. Did you count the cost? Did you count the cost? So now, I'm going to tell you, I know this for a fact. Most Christians don't count the cost. They, they, they come up here, they, they do whatever they do, and, they, and, they, and I'm going to tell you, a sinner's prayer never saved nobody. It's the heart, amen? It's the heart. Let me, let me just stop for a second. Let me get this clear to you. Love is based on truth and fact, not emotions and feelings. Emotions and feelings, Satan will play with that, evil will play with that. It's based on truth and facts. I made a, when I started to decide to love Vicky, it took me a while, Amen? You say, what? Hey, I'm just being honest. Bill, I, I know you fell in love with Sandy when you were about yay high. But love is about truth and facts. It's about trusting the one you're loving. Amen? And, and God is the same. We, I love God. I love him. If there wasn't any emotions or any feelings about it, I still love him. Because I hear his word. I take it in my heart. I see it, I trust it through faith that it's true because I have not met any of those people that lived and wrote this book. They're all gone, but I trust it by faith. And I believe it because of the facts of it. Amen? Now I take that and I, 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 I love my emotions, I love my feelings, I love my passion. I don't discard it, but it's not the reason that I accepted Christ. Accept him because I love him. Everybody got that? Now, I'll tell you, like I told a few other people this morning, I had something very pounded on me this week, and something that's very simple, but yet it was, it was like an opening to me. I'll hear people say all the time, I believe in God. Now, everybody here, you've heard people say, I believe in God, right? Okay, great. Then I'll go back to James 2.19, Demons believe and they tremble and all that. I've done that a zillion times with people. But I, I, after this week, I'll, I'll, I'll change directions a little bit. Because as God emphasized to me very heavily upon my heart this week, as he clearly spoke to me throughout the scriptures, as I understood, it's not about believing God. It's about loving God. Amen? See, a lot of people can believe in God. Satan believes in God. He doesn't love God. See, love is what separates that. I can say I believe in God, but if I don't love God, I'm missing the whole picture. Amen? So next to my son, I says, do you believe? and they say, oh, yeah, I believe in God, I'm going to say, but do you love God? Because the greatest commandment is what? Love what? God. The greatest commandment is love God. So I love God, and therefore, I believe in God. Now, outside of that, like I heard somebody say this morning, I can believe in Santa Claus, but I don't love Santa Claus. That don't mean, what does it mean that you believe in Santa Claus? It's the same thing. 
If you don't love God, then you're not really believing in the God. You're believing in some kind of whatever. That's why the church is in trouble. It's because not enough Christians love God. Do you hear me? You got to love God. Moses loved God. There's no doubt about it. He loved him. And God was going to correct Moses. He was ready to kill Moses because God loves us all. And he wasn't going to let Moses interrupt his glory. God wants you to love him. And I'm going to tell you something. I love God. I love him more today than I loved him in the beginning because I am learning his word. I'm learning to trust God through all the trial, through all the, the things that go on that God puts in our life, through all the hiccups, through all the compromise that I tried to get God to go along with. And he would never allow me to go along with him. I love him because of those things. Now, do I believe in God? Of course I do. But in a different way. I believe him because I love him. And I trust him. Did God ever say to Moses, you put your name in there, there's a, there's a bulletin there, just write your name in there. I, I put Paul in there as I was writing this down. Did God ever say to Moses or Paul, this will be simple and not take too much of your time? Did Moses think he was going to go off to Egypt and rescue maybe four million people and think it was not going to cost him anything? Well, he didn't even get close to Egypt and God was ready to kill him. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost every bit of your compromise. Every bit of it. And until you quit compromising, quit trying to get God to go along with you, you're never going to really understand the love of God because you're loving God with compromise. Moses, I guarantee you, went a lot when he went to Egypt. After this situation happened, his love for God grew because he saw God a different way did God ever say to Moses or me Paul this is going to be painless and cost you very little so so why is it we the church or some of the church or whoever thinks that this thing we call salvation this thing we call giving out the good news is no big deal it's not going to cost anything it's just humpty dory humpty dory Because why? Why is that? It's clearly not written down in the scriptures as we read scriptures. We clearly see that it's going to cost everything about your life. The scripture that Jesus says you've got to hate your parents and, and hate this and hate that. I mean, he's being direct at what it's going to cost. Did God ever say to Moses or, any time, or, any, any, or Paul, anytime you want to unplug the charger, feel free. He never said that, did he? Okay, well, let me see some. I got a flashlight here. One big flashlight. Looks like a tough light. I could probably beat you in the head with this flashlight. Wouldn't do no good. Look at that, dude. Now, don't that dude look powerful? I mean, Eric, come on, man. Don't you want that flashlight? Doesn't it look like that's a man's flashlight? I'd say the batteries are about uncharged, wouldn't you? They're dead. Now I can go to this slim line, which wouldn't do anything but tickle your ears. And I can pick that up and boom. Ain't that cool? Now which flashlight you want? Which flashlight you gonna listen to? The one that's just somewhat charged? Or the one that's fully charged? The one that didn't compromise before it went out. Y'all get what I'm saying? We're going to be the light of Christ, right? You've got to be fully charged. See, am I beating this, beating this too much? You tell me. If you're caught in a late night with your car broke down on the side road in the country, which light you want? There you go. Now, everybody out there that doesn't know Christ, guess what? They're caught in a late night with the car broke down. They're heading into a deep, deep hurt. I want to be the brightest light I can be with them. Even I can stroke them even. All right, I'll quit playing around. I wish I had an air horn today. I'll quit playing around. 
One verse here, Luke 14, 28. And this is a parable, but for, for which of you, all of you, intending to build a tower, a tower, a, a, a tall structure, does not sit down first and count the cost. Now, I know, that, where's Roy? There's Donna back there, sweet Donna. I know Roy's around here somewhere. I know they got house plans made up, and they're going to be building a house. And me and Vicky have done the same. We built a house, and we, we look, and we're trying to figure out how much it's going to cost. They did the same because I really want to know almost down to the penny what this is going to cost, whether I can afford it or not. Amen? Or whether I don't want to spend that much money on it. So I, I, I want to know. Now, I might mess up a little bit. I want to know as close as I can get to what it's going to cost me. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? I'm just going to leave right there at that verse. See, now, that kind of, what Jesus is saying is counting the cost because he says he's got to pick up the cross and follow me in the verse before that. He's saying, if you're going to be a disciple of me, then you better count the cost. Because I've got all kinds of warnings in the Bible, and Moses is just one of them, about people that never counted the cost. Or you better not compromise with what I'm telling you. It won't work out for you. To go and be is more than mere words. I mean, these are, these are more than just, I'm going to go and be in. Hi, I'm going and be in. <laughs> you going to count the cost where you're going to be? Are you going to go with compromise? You think, well, God won't do anything. <laughs> I'll go and be, and God will be fine with it. Yeah, yeah. Nobody will know but me and God. I believe they call that a fool in the Bible. To go and be is more than mere words. Now listen, church, the whole church, God's word is God's word. It is factual and true, and what God says he will do, he will do. Amen? You can't take one word out of it. If you take one, one word from the Holy Bible, then just throw it all away. It is the absolute truth. It's all we have for mankind. And one word dismissed, one word of meaning dismissed means God made a mistake. And if God makes mistakes, we're all doomed because he doesn't make mistakes. Amen? The only reason you changed something is because it wasn't correct the first time. And God doesn't make mistakes. To go and be is more than mere words. It is and will be the beauty of your life on what? Everybody say display. And we'll read this one more time. To go and be is more than mere words. It is and will be for the rest of your life. The beauty of your life on display. Evil sees you. Evil wants to destroy your walk with God. Evil will look into you. Evil will do everything it can to deceive you. Evil will do everything it can to say that a certain and certain and certain compromise is not really compromised. You can get by with it. It started in the garden with the snake. It's still going today. It will do everything it can to compromise your walk with God. And one compromise, you just got to go ahead and Fill in the more we go. Going to compromise today. <laughs> I'm not saying we're perfect because we're far from it. But what I am saying is I don't want to compromise. Amen? I don't want to sin. I don't want any part of it. Now, do I? Of course I do. I, I still live in the flesh. But I am covered under the blood of Christ. Amen? And I know when I sin, and I ask forgiveness for it as fast as I can get to my knees. Amen? And if I'm hiding something, I've got a sin that I don't even know it's a sin yet. And by golly, there's a lot of them. Because as you grow in Christ, you start to recognize Jim Morris is not probably a good guy to listen to from the doors. You get me? There's things that change about you. Now, I know that's the older generation. People are saying, doors? What doors? And I don't know them new rapper guys, but I can tell you most of them ain't worth the turning on the radio for them guys. We don't compromise. I, I don't know how to emphasize that anymore, but we can't compromise. As a church, we can't compromise. As a church, as a pastor, as, as the person sitting out there, whoever you are, you can't compromise. The minute, the second you compromise, Satan moves in. It starts to destroy you. It starts to take away your confidence in God. It starts to take away the trust that you built with God. 
And it's not God's fault, it's our fault. Now Moses had to, had to recognize what he'd done, and God did it in a very powerful way, not just for Moses, but for thousands of years that we can see that God will not compromise. In Proverbs 14, 25, and 27, it says, a true witness delivers souls. Now listen to that. It says, a what? A tr- Somebody say, true. True. Okay, there's, there's an emphasis there. There's a difference, right? It doesn't just say the person that believes delivers souls. It says a, a true witness delivers souls. So what is a true witness? It's a person that starts out loving God for the word of God. He takes in every word of God for truth And he adjusts his life according to that truth. Amen? Every true witness delivers. Now look at that word delivers. Now what does a delivery man do? Now I have UPS and and whatever they call it. UPS and the other ones, FedEx or whatever. They'll come rolling down the driveway. Sometimes they come to the wrong house. Well, that's not me. Sometimes we go to the wrong house, don't we? I heard somebody today say they went and visited somebody in the hospital. And they got there and, and visited a, a person and didn't really know the person. Got there and, and she didn't want to hear about God. He asked her if he could pray for her. She said, no, I'm fine. Sometimes we want to deliver things, but they're not ready to pick them up, are they? But a delivery man delivers the truth of God. And if we're going to go and be, we are deliveries. And as we deliver the truth, in other words, we offer the truth. We offer the gospel. We offer it to him with everything we have. Our compromise, we are not compromising with God. We are all white. We're full of love. We love God. We don't just believe in God. We love God. And because we love God, we love our neighbors. And then and therefore it says that if we love God and we love our neighbors, we give out the good news, which is the gospel. So we deliver this good news to the souls. But a deceitful witness, what? Speaks lies. Now what's a deceitful witness? I gotta get, well, am I running out of time? No, I'm right. A deceitful witness. I'm saying, we got a lot of churches out there today. We got a lot of preachers out there. I get so tired of hearing them. You know what? I turn them on for a few minutes. I say, man, you're a full burner right to hell. What is wrong with you? It's prosperity. The prosperity gospel where you can, you can love God. You can be the best ballet dancer in the world and act like you just love God. But it's all based on prosperity. It's all based upon emotions and feelings. And the first time something happens in your life, all of a sudden God's not the God you thought he was because he's not. He's a God of facts and truth and a God of love beyond your feelings and emotions. He's a God that you can trust True witness delivers souls, but it's deceitful witness speaks lies. It's, it's got that, it's the witness there. Not everybody that claims Jesus Christ knows Jesus Christ. You got me? There's a lot of things out there that claim it. They don't have an idea. In Proverbs 14 and 27, it says, the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, let me get this straight. Some of you may not know this, but fear... Almost all the time when you see fear, in the, it, when it says like this in the Bible, it means awe, uh, 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 oh, uh, uh, what's a good word? Respect. Give me some more good words instead of fear. Honor. Honor, thank you. Yeah, that's what that means. A reverence. The honor, the the respect, the remnants of the Lord is a fountain of life. Oh, my goodness. See, now, if I fear God, as we would think fear today, as we fear evil or we fear something else, well, that wouldn't be a God that I could love because I would be scared of him. Now, that makes no sense because I'm not scared of God. I'm not scared of Vicki, although sometimes she can scare me. I love them. Amen? Now, when God... Share something with me that I may not like. I I don't dislove him and I don't fear him for it. I pray to him asking for understanding in my heart. I can guarantee you Moses didn't like when God walked up to him and said, I'm going to kill you. 
And he didn't like it when his wife's sitting over there saying, you fool, you fool. Now, the reason he probably wasn't circumcised is because the wife didn't want it done. She didn't, that wasn't what she did in her country. That was what Moses did in the Hebrews. So there's a good chance Moses was compromising with his wife. That's just Paul theology there. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Now get that word fountain. You know what fountain is? You see fountains in lakes with pretty lights on them and stuff. Fountain is a refreshing. I got a joke for you. I had this UPS box come yesterday, a FedEx, a little box like this come in there, and he stopped. I was out in the barn working. He stopped, and he said, here, you can have me. I said, thank you. I said, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. Vicky does all that stuff. I ain't got a clue. So I take it up there later, and she says, it's a pump. I said, it's a pump? What you need a pump for, woman? It's just a little, I, I'm thinking a pump. I'm thinking a pump. You know, something that pumps some water, you know, or something. And there's a little pump. She says, well, it's for the dog bowl. I said, what? She says, well, Sherry gave it to me. Brad and Sherry, our son, son and daughter. I said, what does a pump got to do with the dog bowl? I thought you took a dog bowl, you turned on the water, and you put it in there and filled it up, and you put it on the floor. What, you got to have a pump? Bill, why do you got to have a pump? Well, come to find out, it makes the water fresh. <laughs> well, you know, my little dog, whatever that little dog wants. <laughs> Lexi needs fresh water. So I commenced looking at the pump, and Vicky said right away, that pump's broke. It ain't the right pump. And I said, well, honey, let's just take a little patience here. And I'm going to tell you something. You've got to have a little patience with the Word of God, don't you? Because, see, people that don't understand the Word of God, that don't love God like you do, I'm telling you, they don't get it. They're hearing with the ears, but not hearing with the heart. You've got to have patience with it. And Vicky says, let's throw the whole thing away. I'm tired of monkeying with it. I said, you just spent 20 bucks on a pump and you want to throw the whole thing away? She said, I don't want to make it with them higher. I said, well, don't you want Lexi to have fresh water? <laughs> now, mind you, you have to add water to have fresh water, but somehow the water pumping through is fresh. I don't know. I don't get none of that. I said, whatever. Okay, I got it. Okay, it's like, like fish, right? Okay, okay, whatever. Strange to me. So I start to look. I said, we've got to take this part off and this part off and this part off. And we got it all apart. She says, well, look inside there. It's just like the pump I ordered. Yeah. When you do things God's way, the right way, one part at a time, one section at a time, you're going to find out it's just what God ordered. Amen? And you're going to have this fresh fountain flowing up from your life. Now, I'll tell you why. Nobody wants to go drink out of a lake that's got all kinds of junk in it, do they? They'll drink out of a pretty blue crystal lake, a pretty little river with a rocks ribble. They'll get you down and grab that water. That is so fresh and so great. That's what your life needs to be. My life, if I've got red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, it is not looking too fresh to me, especially if you mix it all up. It looks kind of bad. But it says here, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. You are a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Amen? Now, that snares is a trap, that trap that the Satan and evil that never is uncharged, that is always fully charged, wants to trap you in. But because you have a reverence for God, uh, honor for God, and respect for God, and you have trusted God, and your compromise is long gone, you become a fountain of life, refreshing for people to look upon. Now, I've been around a few fountains and a few things, and I'll tell you, at nighttime, when the lights are on them, I'll be honest with you, I have to sit there and look at them a little bit. They're pretty, aren't they? I mean, they're gorgeous. Isn't Jesus the light of Christ? I mean, aren't we the light of Christ? And in that light, oh, we're supposed to be gorgeous. And people look to us because they see something they're missing And it's love of God. I have a couple chargers up here. Now this one here is a, it actually doesn't work very well. Probably I'll throw it away. It has a rabbit on the front and a turtle. Now I'm going to tell you, Bill, when I go to charge something, guess what I got it on? She's on rabbit, buddy. And why in the world would I turtle charge anything? Come on now. Mike, Mike I ain't going to turtle charge it. 
I ain't got time to turtle charge it. Who's got time for that? Man, what is a turtle charge? Look, it's got a picture of a turtle and a rabbit. You can come up here and look. There it is. Well, baby, I press that rabbit every time. I just keep a pressing. And I give her about five seconds. That's like us Christians. We uh, we want charged up, fully charged in five seconds. Go, God! That didn't work. Oh, man. I'll tell you something. Here's, a, here's another one I've learned about. This is called a, what do they call this, black? Well, a trickle. Tri- tri- what? Trickle. Triple or trickle? Trickle. Oh, it just, it just stays charged. Is that what you're telling me, John? It just, you know what? This works. Now, I was informed that I need to keep a trickle charger on my Harley all winter long and my lawnmowers and stuff. Well, I've never done that to this year. I just figured I'd put her on rabbit, and there we go. <laughs> I'm just going to compromise, compromise, compromise. Oh, man. But you know what? I learned something. When I went out there in the cold weather of February or January before we left to go to Florida with the Harleys this year, I had put on this thing, trickle charge. And I learned something. As long as I'm plugged in with this trickle charge, she's charged. I don't need the rabbit charge. And you forget about that turtle charge. It ain't never going on turtle. That light ain't never burning out. I can put on that and leave it on. And although it's not like the rabbit, and it's not even like the turtle, it's like God. As long as I get up and I stay plugged in, amen, I'm always charged up. I haven't got, I, you know, it's, it's, I don't like to get uncharged. I'm going to stop here in a few minutes, but this is where I'm going at today. Therefore, listen to me, therefore, since we have this ministry. See, I've got a ministry. You've got a ministry. Well, I know I don't. Yes, you do. If you're a child of God, you have a ministry from God. You may not understand that ministry, And you need to get to working on understanding that ministry, but you've got one. Therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, now how come I have a ministry? Because I've received mercy, the mercy of God, the mercy of grace. I've received that. I have a ministry because of that. We do not lose heart. Everybody say lose heart. We do not lose heart. Are you having fun today? I'm having fun. I haven't had this much fun in about three weeks. I'm having fun. God's word is so fun. It's so exciting to our lives. If you don't compromise. Lose heart. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. I've got compromise out of my life. I'm heading towards the gospel of the good news to deliver it. And I'm not going to allow evil and I don't care how charged up it is to interfere in that. Amen? I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to lose heart because every morning the triple charger's plugged in. I get out of bed charged up. Amen? Charged up. You say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. I don't know about that, Preacher. I'm just going to read to you what it says here. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Now, okay, the hidden things, that's, that's these, these compromises, these, these things that bring shame upon our life with God. But we have, what's that word? Everybody say that word? Renounced. Renounced. It's gone. I don't want no part of it, Lord. Take it away from my life, Lord. I surrender it to you, Lord. Oh, Lord, help me get past this. And every day I get up and help me get past it. Help me get past it. It may take a while, but I'm working on it. Amen? Amen. Through prayer, through understanding God's word. The hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness like evil will and deceit and lies. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. I'm really trying to understand what the word of God says. Bible studies. 
coming to church, being around people of like-minded. Amen? Not falling for the philosophy of this world, but understanding it has nothing for me because it is not in love with God. And if it's not in love with God, it's in love with evil. I know that's the hardest thing for people to understand. They want to they go in that middle somewhere. There is no middle. When you go in the middle, you're compromising. There is no middle ground. It's either love God or you're loving the enemy. That's it. If the church would really realize that, your pump would flow. Amen? Have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but manifestation of truth, commending. That manifestation, in other words, I turn into something that is so powerful in my life that I'm being manifestation into it. It I'm becoming the word of God. Woohoo! Get that! Josh! You're long hair and all of you. You're becoming the word of God. Micromarriage, you too. You're becoming, you ain't got no hair, but you're still coming the word of God. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Josh. I'll go over this side before I get beat up. You're becoming the word of God. Amen? You're being changed into the word of God. Compromise has long passed, and although the Satan and the evil is so powerful, and it t- continues to try to get you to compromise because you're in the Word of God, because you have chosen to love God, it can't penetrate you. It's like a force field around you that bounces off. To every man's conscience in the sight of God. In verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, See if I don't want to miss nothing. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is the veil to those who are what? Everybody give me that word. Perishing. And that's not a word of, of physical death as much as it is a word of eternal death. In other words, not everybody's going to be happy to see you. Because I'll tell you what, evil does not like the woman or the man of God without compromise. If you've got a little compromise in your life, come on in. We'll work on that. But if you're pure and white, evil wants no part of you. It's going to do its best to destroy your confidence and trust in God. Whose mind, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. I, now, I didn't write that down, you know. I wrote it down by the Apostle Paul through the Spirit of God. Let, let me read that again in verse 4. Whose minds, with a, it's plural, the God, little g, little g. That means the gods, that means anything that can to take, have, have power over you, anything that controls you outside of the true one God. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Now, the God of this age, Satan is part of that. He is in control of this world, although he is not in control of God or the God's people, but he has big power in this world. They are blinded to what we understand. It's foolish to them. They're charged up, but they got the wrong battery. Amen? They got the wrong God. They got the God of their choice, whatever God they choose. Who do not believe, least the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus of Christ. Start over again. Whose minds of, God, of the gods of this age has blinded, who do not believe, least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They don't believe. And what I'm telling you here, as we go out, as you go and be, no matter where it is, in your workplace, at anywhere you're at, the gas stations, anywhere you're at, the grocery store, the, the little waitress and the thing, understand they may be the light. They may be all kinds of things to you. But unless they have the true light, the word of God, they don't understand what you understand. Amen? We're going to close up in here in just a minute. In 5 it says, For we do not preach ourselves, 
but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants. In other words, I don't preach what I want to preach. I preach what Jesus Christ has asked me to preach. We okay over here? What's going on? You guys need to call 911? Verse 6, it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In order to go and be, you will have to be willing and ready to accept correction. Amen? That's an important thing there. A challenge for the week, are you ready to accept correction? If your mind is made up, it's going to take act of God to change it. No matter who you are, we have to be ready to accept correction. Let's stand. Brooke, come on up. Let's just bow our heads real quick and just I want you to pray for Lucy over here, what's going on. Then we'll start the music. Amen. I believe she's going to be okay here in a few minutes. If you're a child of God, I mean if you love God, not because of feelings and emotions, but because of the facts and the truth, and your feelings and emotions comes into that, but the facts and the truth, if you love God and you've surrendered your heart to him, you're welcome at these tables. If there's something going on in your life where you know there's compromise, where you've got all kinds of colors saying in your life, clean it up with God right here first. You ask for forgiveness. You ask God to forgive you and to keep going, that you won't lose heart, and then join him, and then don't look back. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the message, Father. We pray. Father, for Lucy over here, Father, that you help her, that you help Roy with her, Lord, that she'll be all right in just a matter of moments. Father, you ask us, Father, that we can look to you for everything in our lives. And to your name we pray.